Before I get to my next guest, Chris Finn, I want to remind you about a couple of more of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Shrixon Cleveland Golf. Your best performance starts with the right golf ball at Shrixon. A global leader in golf ball technology and innovation, Shrixon offers a wide variety of award-winning golf balls for golfers of every skill level. Whether you're searching for a tour performance golf ball or a distance golf ball with incredible feel, Shrixon provides the best golf balls at incredible prices. Shrixon offers a wide variety of personalized options while also developing a highly visible colored golf ball as well. Select the right golf ball for your game today and trust it with Shrixon. Check them out online at Shrixon.com. S-R-I-X-O-N.com. Find the right golf ball for your game today. I also want to remind you about our friends over at Sun Mountain. There's a company nestled in the valley of Missoula, Montana that embodies the essence of quality, function, and innovation, and that's Sun Mountain, which started building golf bags back in 1981. They are an industry leader in golf bags, travel covers, outerwear, and push carts. With flagship products that you've come to know, like the C-130 cart bag, the 2.5 ultralight stand bag, the club glider travel cover, the speed cart, and Rainflex rain gear. Sun Mountain continues its quest to provide the very best in golf products to every range of golfer. Visit them online at sunmountaingolf.com to look at their amazing product. Okay, now back and next on the tee with me is Par for Success founder Chris Finn. Par for Success is a golf fitness and physical therapy company located up in Morrisville, North Carolina. They've got a great facility up there, folks. They can help you with improving your golf performance, and if something hurts when you play, they can help alleviate that as well. Chris is a licensed physical therapist a certified strength and conditioning specialist. He is also Titleist Performance Institute certified and a certified nutrition coach. He's grown par for success from being a physical therapy business that he did out of the back of his car to becoming a tremendously successful business, one that Goldman Sachs has recognized as a small business poised for growth. And I'm excited he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Chris, thanks for coming back on the show. My pleasure, Chris. Excited to be back with you. How you doing tonight? I'm fantastic, Chris. Catch us up, my friend. It's it's been a minute since we got to have you here. Catch us up with what's uh, going on with you guys. Yeah, it's been uh, there's been a lot going on. We're uh, we're actually in the midst. We're we're building a state of the art uh, brand new facility that'll be two three times the size of what we got right now. And um, we've done a ton. I've been doing a ton of research with uh, ground reaction forces. So we have a bunch of uh, research grade force plates and. Uh, really just, you know, since the last time I was on, it's just been, uh, I joke it with everybody, you know, that we, that we work with and everyone you know, on our team. It's, it's kind of been just like a constant flow of gasoline on a fire and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And, and even the, the, the next studies and it, everything we look at just continues to build on, um, everything that we've been able, you know, that we had done in the past. So it's, it's just been, it's been a wild ride. Our, we've had a, uh, obviously we started with a local business. Um, with COVID, it, it definitely was a bit of a forcing function where people were looking for, for ways to, you know, continue to work on their bodies. Obviously, golf did nothing but get bigger where people had a lot of time working remotely and whatnot. And, um, and so it really, you know, the virtual side of our business and then being able to connect with golfers at this point, uh, pretty much on most continents <laughs> and helping them, you know, get the right information about what they need to do to, you know, to play the game longer, you know, to, you know, whether it's getting out of pain, hitting the ball further. Um, just being more consistent. It's been uh, it's been a, a wild couple of, couple of years here. So, uh, excited to be back with you and, and chat. You know about you know, a number of different things. 
So, Chris, you talked about study. You know, in our game now, everything is about distance. It's about club head speed. Yep. Talk about what overspeed training is and the studies that you guys have done with respect to that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, overspeed has definitely gotten, um, you know, there's a lot of you know, speed training devices and systems out there. And uh, I think overspeed training is definitely one of the more popular mainstream ones where, you know, you, you'll see, you know, people, you see a lot of guys on tour, different sticks and, you know, different weighted sticks and swinging them faster. And um, and basically, you know, when we're looking at gaining speed, the the way I always break it down for people is there, there's kind of, there's four kind of areas. One, you can obviously get more technically efficient. Um, you know, two, you can get the right equipment. That often helps. Um, three, you can, you know, get more mobile, you know, get more mobile and be able to get point A to point B. And then the fourth quadrant is the physical side of, of power and speed. And that's where kind of overspeed training really fits. And it's it, the analogy I always use is it's kind of like we've all driven the, the, the golf cart at a, a local muni course that, you know, just slows down when it goes down the hill, right? Defies yeah. gravity like that should go faster. That, that's because there's a governor on it. And as golfers, we all have governors on our body. Our brains will put this governor where, you know, say you're swinging 95 miles an hour and your body says, Hey, if you cross a hundred, you're going to break. It'll apply kind of a, in a sense that little downhill break where it's, it's going to kind of almost force you to sit at that mid nineties level. So what overspeed training does, it's kind of like taking the governor off that golf cart and then all of a sudden it unlocks, you know, more speed. Um, so there, when we talk about gaining speed, overspeed training can be, you know, I would call it the holy grail for a, lot, a number of golfers um, to access new, you know, speed immediately. Um, it does come with a cautionary tale, unfortunately, from what we've seen in all the research we've done. You know, we've, at this point, we're over, we're getting close to six thousand golfers that we've kind of run through the studies, and and really what we're seeing is there's kind of three profiles of golfers, Chris, and if you're in the one profile, which we call a, like a, a more RPM under the hood golfer, basically a golfer who's just raring to go, they have great mobility, they can rotate where they need to, they're really strong, meaning they can support the speed that they currently have and even a little bit more. Those are the golfers where overspeed training is like, holy cow, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like an explosion. We had one guy who was, uh, he was probably mid thirties. He was six, seven. He played Division One basketball. He jumped 40 inches. He could throw up one of the uh, – do some med ball testing and whatnot to see kind of what pe- golfers' power elements are. Um, these are all tests people can do at home too, which is the cool part. Um, but he threw that ball like 50 feet. <laughs> like his numbers were out, like out of this world. He's super mobile. He's 6'7". He's 32. Any guesses how fast he came in swinging? 120. <laughs> That's what you would think, right? He came in swinging 101 miles an hour. Right. So, yeah. So, so that's when you look at a guy like that, overspeed training, you know, what we've done a lot of studies, he, he fits the profile where overspeed training and basically taking lighter clubs than your, uh, you know, than your driver and, and swinging them really fast. There's, you know, certain protocols that you do. And, um, you know, basically in 10 minutes, we got him from 101 ish, I think it was one, somewhere to 101, 103, up to 127. Right. Wow. So it was, and it, it was incredible. But, you know, the cautionary tailor that I said when everyone hears that, like, oh, my gosh, you know, they Google overspeed and they, they got it ordered to ship in their cart, right? <laughs> get, get, you know, overnight <laughs> delivery. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the one cautionary tale, unfortunately, is 95% of golfers, particularly over the age of, you know, 40, don't fit that profile. We actually will 
fit the what we call the ticking time bomb grouping, which is, you know, we don't pass, we don't have mobility in one of the four major rotary centers. And if that's the case, and then we try to go really fast, the chances of injury are incredibly high. Um, basically, we did a study where we looked at um, close to 100 golfers who got hurt doing overspeed training. And every single one of them failed at least one of the main four rotary centers. Um, so unfortunately, while overspeed training can be the holy grail, most golfers, unless they've been working on their bodies and, you know, and know the right areas to train, are actually the complete wrong people to utilize it initially. Um, now, if you do the right mobility training, you know, three, four weeks, you know, maybe eight weeks in worst case scenarios, all of a sudden you can pass the mobility test. Now you've done the prerequisite. Well, now, now overspeed training can be incredibly valuable. So it's just, it's a really cool tool that we can use of basically getting your brain to remove the governor from you so you can actually go really fast. It's an immediate access to speed, but used in the wrong situation with the wrong person, it actually can get a non-desirable impact of you know, injury or, you know, something along those lines. So uh, use with caution to everyone listening. Yeah, so to that end, Kristen, and you're right, because we become, you know, overly enthusiastic, like, wow, I can jump, I can be just like that guy. I can get 26 yeah. miles an hour in, in five minutes, and now all of a sudden yep. I'm going to be driving the ball 300 yards. How do you, how do you, I, I'm assuming you, you sort of got to put the governor on some of us, right, so that we mm-hmm. don't go out too fast and, and end up with back injuries or leg injuries and that sort of thing. How do, how do you temper people down from, Wanting, I don't want to. I don't want to go from A to B. I, I, I want to, you know, go right to Z. How do you keep us yeah. from actually doing that damage to ourselves? Yeah. So, you know, one nice thing is the the brain is the the body is pretty good at generally, um, you know, trying to protect us as much as possible. The group of golfers who you're talking about are, are single digit golfers. So those are guys. Remember, we started talking about you can kind of gain speed in four different, you know called four quadrants of speed you got the you know the, the one piece of the pie of speed is kind of the physical where we've been talking and others the mobility the other two are technique and equipment and so really if like good players people who maybe played collegially or you know been scratched for a while technique and equipment is generally optimized and, and we actually see a lot of golfers who can create club head speed faster than what their body's able to support physically uh, we have a home assessment that we give everybody. It's free. And anybody listening, we can talk about that later. But uh, it's basically, it's, it's a, in the assessment, you can figure out, you know, are you too fast, quote unquote, for what your body can handle or not? Um, or are you in a good position to go after it? But it's using that assessment, Chris, is really where, where we kind of, I would call it the litmus test, the really kind of helping people very clearly, you know, say, hey, did you pass all the four mobility tests? If you didn't, do not pass go. <laughs> We're going to take a couple of weeks. We're going to make sure we pass these tests. And then we're going to look at, okay, now you're mobile. Now are your strength and power numbers at a point where you can support more speed than you currently have? And so you kind of have to check those two boxes. Number one, can you rotate? Number two, do you have enough strength and speed to safely add more? In which case, you know, green light, let's go. We're going to do, you know, there's, you know, whether it's overspeed training, whether it's, um, you know, power, you know, golf specific power training, whatever, you know, ends up being discovered as kind of the main avenue that you need to go, then we go down that road. But so really the number one way that we keep people or try to keep people from trying to skip, you know, B through, you know, Y is, is basically kind of really being real with them saying, hey, do you end the, in the educational piece of saying, hey, do this test, 
your hips cramping and you like can't move more than 10 degrees, that's not good. That's a red flag. Does that make sense to you? Um, you know, and so it's really kind of being the, giving people the education, allowing them to go through those tests at home. And, and the cool thing is you, you can, you know, golfers can retest themselves. You know, they're, they're doing some stuff, they're working, you know, two weeks later, you know, retest. Did you get any better? Great. You're better. Let's move on to the next level. So really the biggest thing, it's a lot of education. And I'm going to be honest with you, Chris, as you know, most golfers, they don't always listen <laughs> until they, <laughs> until they show up with the back or wrist or elbow hurting. And then they say, yeah, and then you go, you go, Hey, remember when we talked about that? And they go, no, I don't remember that at all. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> right. So Chris, talk about overspeed training and, and how overspeed training compares to just sort of regular traditional strength and conditioning training. How are those two things either alike or very different? Yeah, a great question, Chris. So, and this is a super common question a lot of golfers have. Um, you know, I, I think a, a lot of golfers will mistake them for being interchangeable, if that makes sense. So someone say, oh, I'm going to do my golf workout and I'm going to get stronger for golf. Oh, cool. What are you doing? They go, oh, I'm doing overspeed training, right? So an overspeed training, just for everyone listening, uh, basically what it consists of is if you have, there's a couple different ways to do it. The most effective way we have found with all the research we've done is basically taking a club about 5% lighter than your driver. Um, you know, if you're listed, probably like a five wood. Um, you know, but if you're a club geek and you can weigh your club, you know, 5% is the exact actual measurement that we found. Uh, and then basically what you do is you're going to swing it as hard as you can to your dominant side. So, you know, if you're right-handed swinging towards your left, if you're left-handed swinging towards your right, swing as hard as you can three times, you know, toward the dominant, you know, towards your strong side, swing it three times as hard as you can, uh, towards your, uh, towards your trail side. Each of those three rounds, you're doing five swings each. So in total, you got, you know, basically three sets of, you know, five left, five right, you'd rest, five left, five right, for rest. So 30 total swings. So basically doing that three times a week as hard as you can. So you're, obviously that club is going to be going faster than how you would swing it when you'd normally be playing. Doing that two to three times a week, the key is you take about a two minute break in between each of those sets of 10 swings, you know, five left, five right. Uh, that in it, so that, that's what overspeed training that we found has the, you know, most impactful uh, improvement in terms of swing club at speed improvement. So that is what we, it's actually called nervous system training. So it's getting your brain to take the governor off and allow your body to go faster. So that is very different than what you would like. If you go to the gym and you're lifting weights or you're doing jump training or you know, plyometrics or anything along those lines, you know, lifting weights is more building the muscular strength up to support the nervous system moving faster. So I would say when you go to the gym, I'd use the analogy of you're basically building your, your brakes up. But when you do your overspeed training, you're trying to put more cylinders into the engine. <laughs> so where a lot of golfers get in trouble is they want a 12-cylinder engine, but they are totally cool having the rusted old Toyota Corolla brake, <laughs> brake pass. <laughs> until, they're back, until they crash the car because the brakes don't work, and then they say, oh, now I get why I need to get stronger. Um, so that, that's how I would describe kind of just the visually for everyone listening is overspeed training is basically trying to get as fast as you can with what you got. Maybe if you can find another cylinder or two there, the strength conditioning or like the weightlifting, um, you know, and this doesn't need to be what we found in our research is if you can do 90 minutes a week, you know, spread it out 90 minutes over the course of a week, you can be see significant gains. Um, that's really kind of building the, the braking system and, and the, 
the support system so that you don't get hurt and so that you can actually utilize safely what the actual over, you know, what the overspeed training uh, is designed to do and when it can be beneficial for you. So if we're working out and building our muscle over 90 minutes over the course of a week, how often should we be doing overspeed training? So that's, so that was one of the big interesting findings we found, Chris, is a lot of a lot of the, I guess what I would call mainstream companies out there doing a lot of the, you know, selling speed training systems and whatnot. They were, they were recommending like up to 100 swings in a session and, you know, three to five times a week. Like you could do it multiple, like way too much. Um, so the, all, the ideal that we found in all of our research, we tested all of our the golfers in the studies only did it twice a week and that you always have at least 24 hours in between sessions. Um, but if you're only doing it twice a week, ideally if you can have two to three days in between, that gives your, your nervous system the most chance to recover. So you're 100% fresh. So you can go a hundred percent in each of those training sessions. Um, so it's kind of crazy for people to think of it. Of you know, I only got to swing 30 times as hard as I can twice a week. <laughs> that's, that's what the research found. And we compared doing that versus doing a hundred swings, you know, three, you know, multiple, more than that, three times, four times a week, the, you know, the, there, there is a sweet, there is a point of diminishing return. Um, it, it would kind of be like telling a, you know, same bolt or a hundred meter championship, hundred meter sprinter to go, go run 100, 100 meter sprints, like five times a week. Like that's silly. Like that nobody trains like that. <laughs> um, so that's, that's kind of what we were telling our golfers to do. Um, so, you know, looking at the science and physiology of it all, um, that's where the, the fun thing we find is the more research we do, we find golfers can get much more focused on the stuff they actually need themselves specifically, and they can actually do less of it, which I tend to meet fewer gym rats that are golfers than, than not. So most golfers don't mind <laughs> having to spend less time in the gym, more time on the golf course. <laughs> right. Chris, you guys also did a study on eccentric flywheel training. Talk about what that is. Yeah, so it's uh, it's definitely not mainstream. That's definitely one thing it is. <laughs> so what it is is um, the reason we got to that. This is one of the cool studies we did a two-year study looking. This is uh, we probably mentioned this in great detail last time we chatted, but you know the gist of it was we looked at adult golfers and we looked at. Um, you know, kids and we looked at different, there's two main types of training. One is if you think of traditional tra- weight training, if you, if you have a, let's take a squat, for example, and you, you squat down, that lowering part is called the eccentric motion. That'd be the equivalent of kind of the backswing in the golf swing. Kind of muscles are stretching, right? Then there's a, a pause at the bottom of the squat, similar to the transition point in the golf swing. That's the isometric phase. And then the final phase is, or the third phase of movement is concentric, and that would be the standing up of the squat. Or the downswing. That's when everything kind of shortens and explodes and you exert all, all the force. So what we found was that adult golfers, when we put them in a, in a type of program which focused a lot on the eccentric phase training, the specific in the study was called triphasic training, they saw, if we looked at the average gain, club head speed gains that we saw in adult golfers, they saw a 60% improvement on top of that average gain. So it was wow. a massive improvement when we trained them that way. Um, so put it in raw numbers for people. It was like an extra five yards in, in three months uh, by training differently. So putting the same amount of work, just doing it a little bit differently, saw significant uh, improvements. So 
so then what we did off of that is we said there's a type of, uh, I'm sure everybody's familiar with like a cable machine. You know, people will do chop exercises, rotary exercise, rotational exercises on them. When you look at those, let's say you put like the, you change, adjust the weight to the, you know, I don't know, 30 pounds and you pull it out, you have 30 pounds resistance. When you go back, there's still that same 30 pounds, right? Gravity is equal the whole time. What a flywheel machine is, um, and especially with, you know, the pandemic and you can buy these for your home gyms and put them in. They're, they're very, very affordable and very, they're, they're, when I tell you that the results, people will like, understand why I'm advocating for them. Basically, when you pull out, let's say you, you pull out, you know, instead of having the, uh, you know, adjusting the weight on the machine and you have 30 pounds the whole way, it's a wheel. And basically, as you pull the, you know, the, the, uh, the pulley, the wheel, it spins the wheel. Um, and so it, the harder you pull, the faster the wheel spins. So the harder you pull out, the caveat is now that wheel has to spin back the other way to, to ravel the, the, you know, the pulley back in. And when it does so, it actually pulls harder. So when you pull out, that's that concentric phase or like think of the downswing. And then it's training basically the backswing type movement or the eccentric motion to be stronger. And so it's a, it's a more specific way. So if you think of golf as a rotary sport, it's a way to train specific rotation with the same way of training that we found gave golfers, you know, that 60% extra uh, gain in, in a three month period. Um, and when we did that, we saw over double the club wow. that gained. Um, so that's where we've started to see. And so that's where I say everyone at home, Google eccentric flywheel training. See if you can find one for your house. Um, you know, that's the, there's, there's tons of different machines and companies and brands, but that's really, uh, what we found is, you know, so when we can say, Hey, all you, the reason we say 90 minutes is because we know, you know, the, the eccentric motion, the, you know, are we looking at training, getting that rotational side stronger? And do you have the motion? So do you have the motion to rotate and are you stronger in that rotational motion? You can do a lot fewer exercises and see a lot better results than spending, you know, I know we have some guys that come in, they spend 90 minutes a day in the gym doing the same routine for the last, you know, 10 years. You switch them up and you say, hey, yeah, let's do not like, you know, two hours a week, maybe, <laughs> and just do these things. They look at you like you're, like, don't know what the heck you're talking about, and you got three heads. And they come back, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I have way more energy. I can play way more golf because I'm not in the gym so much. <laughs> I feel better, and, hey, the ball's going further, too. Is that supposed to happen? But, yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that definitely is. <laughs> Hey, hey, Chris, we've seen lots of players now. You mentioned medicine balls a little while ago. We see them throwing medicine balls off the wall to build strength and speed. You guys looked at that as well and and jumps and medicine ball chest presses and all that sort of stuff. Talk about the study you did with those. Yeah, so we're nerds, in case you haven't figured that out, Chris. We just do studies (laughs) all day. (laughs) Uh, But basically what we do is, you know, we look at, like, basically we we. We're kind of like trolls on social. We look and say, all right, what's everybody doing? What, what does the average golfer think works? And then we go and we, we look in the, you know, all the research and say, all right, is there actually any research that says it works? And then if there isn't, or if the research we find is pretty bad, which in the most case in the golf space is very bad, you know, then, then we go and we set up these studies and we actually run them because we're just, we're curious and we want to see what the answer is. So, you know, obviously if you go on any, you know, golf fitness or in any of the pro golfers, you'll see them throwing the medicine balls, like you said. And so we were like, well, does that actually work? Like, how do we actually know that that works? So we, we took a, all of our, we've got about a hundred members at our facility in Morrisville in person. So we do all these studies with our in-person members. 
Um, and we basically, we, we, we lovingly call them our lab rats because we, we control everything and we, we set up their, you know, their programs. And we had one group who was just doing medicine ball work and we had another group who didn't do any medicine ball work. All they did was train, uh, we know, we know that upper body push power. Um, so think of like if you're doing like a, like sitting on a chair and, um, taking a medicine ball and doing kind of throwing a chest pass, throwing the ball, that, that sort of motion, or like a bench press sort of motion. Um, that, that motion or that power or strength in that direction, as well as vertical leap. So your ability to think of how high you can jump. So like a squat or a deadlift type motion, those produce, uh, if we get real geeky into ground forces, those produce vertical forces. Those are the two that have a statistically significant impact in clubhead speed, meaning we know that if we get those two uh, motion stronger, more powerful club speed should go up. So what we did is, so we had one group who just trained, <laughs> excuse me, the no medicine balls, but just trained push, push power and vertical leap power. The other group did kind of traditional strength training and then they did all road, they did all the medicine ball training. So that was the only difference between the two groups it was one group did medicine balls and the other group did the, the power training for push, upper body push and jumps. And at the end, any, you, 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 I, think I, I think we sent you the study, so you already know the answer. But most people, when you ask them, you say, hey, so which group, which one do you think, which, which group you think, you know, you know, did better? Uh, I made the mistake of sending you the answers ahead of time. But yeah, everybody says medicine balls. Oh, yeah, medicine ball. Definitely. It's rotational. Got to get stronger. When we looked at the data, medicine balls got no faster, like zero. <laughs> like they're really like compared to the, the, the lower body explosive power, the upper body explosive power. Medicine balls did nothing. Um, so if we're trying to, this is, I think, a, a huge takeaway for everybody listening. If you're trying to get stronger for golf or trying to get faster for golf, uh, n- number one, don't throw medicine balls. <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> number number two, most importantly, assess yourself. You know, you can do the assess, do an assessment, figure out, do you have the mobility? Do you have the, the strength to support, you know, the, the, the speed that you say that you want? Um, and then let's figure out the best way for you to actually get it so you're not wasting your time. Uh, now, where we did find medicine balls to be, and where we do find them, and where, where we use them on a regular basis, is if people have good mobility, if people's um, strength and power numbers are good, but their speed is low, um, you know, overspeed training is one way, is one uh, avenue we will go. The other is we will actually use medicine balls to help people get the feel of how to sequence using the ground correctly. So medicine balls are a great tool for helping people sequence ground reaction forces in, in terms of horizontal. There's, you know, side to side force, there's up and down force and there's rotary force. And in traditional golf instruction, you know, because video has been the, you know, the technology that's been most accessible for people. The people take videos of their swing and they say, Hey, look at my swing. And all oh, my hips didn't clear there. Or, you know, my, my shoulders are back. <laughs> well, what comes before all of that is none of that happens unless you, unless you use the ground. So if you use the ground correctly and you have good mobility, you should see the correct positions happening. You know, that's called kinematics. Kinetics is what we see in the ground. So the hip should go first, torso, arms, hand, club, that's kinematics. Kinetics is you should push toward the target and there should be a rotary force and there should be a vertical force at specific times in the downswing. And that drives the positions that we can see on video. Um, so that's been the, the really cool thing that we've been able to find is we say, hey, we are no longer using medicine balls with the idea that we think we're getting faster because we know that doesn't work. <laughs> but if in the, in the specific case where a golfer has good mobility, 
that we know they're strong as heck, but they just can't figure out how to put it all together. We, we, we've come up with a name we call it transfer training. And then we'll use the medicine balls to help them transfer all the gains that they've made physically to actually be able to put it into, you know, the correct sequence that they use in the golf swing. Um, so anyone who's about to just throw their medicine ball away or burn it, you can keep it, but <laughs> just make sure we're using it in the right time, right place. Yeah. And Chris, you've talked here in this last bit about using ground forces correctly. And we're, we're hearing a lot more about that in the golf swing over the last few years than, than we ever heard, at least in, in my lifetime, using the ground to help propel your swing. Talk about how we can go about using the ground forces properly. Yeah. So first thing is you drop $50,000 and get dual force plates. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's, 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 that's only what crazy people like me do. <laughs> but I think one of the reasons we're hearing more about it, Chris, to your point is, you know, they used to be like, you know, $100,000. Like they were only available in like, you know, university research lab settings, right? The the technology is getting cheaper, so it's becoming more accessible. So now we're getting crazy people like me who are doing, you know, running thousands of people through them and trying to figure them out. And I think that's where you're starting to see it's becoming a little bit more mainstream is we're starting to see the real connection between, hey, when the guys, you know, when, when the golfer's in all those correct positions, we look at like a 3D kinematic graph and the hips went first and like it's an efficient swing. Well, there's the same sort of mapping of efficiency that we should see in how somebody uses the ground. There's exact ratios. There's timings of those ratios. I think one of my favorite examples is we have a, we've got a, he's 20, a 21 year old who's playing one of the local universities, high level division one, you know, big, very successful amateur golfer. He swings about a hundred and he's like 118, I think. So high teens, 118, 119 miles an hour. We have a 59 year old guy, uh, member, um, who is not a very successful golfer, probably, probably like a 10 handicap, um, maybe high singles. Um, both of them produce the same exact amount of force. If we, and we measure them on the ground, on the, on the force plates. So they're both producing the same amount of force. Um, but, the 59-year-old swings, a, I think he's 101. He just crested over 100. Um, and so the, you sit there scratching your head and you're like, well, wait a minute. I thought someone was stronger and they put more force on the ground than the club should go faster, right? So then you actually look at when the timing of it happens. And the 21-year-old, he's applying that, that, that amount of force, you know, before his lead arm is parallel on the downswing. So you know, basically between top of backswing and before P5, right? The 59-year-old who's, you know, almost 20 miles, 20 miles an hour slower, guess when he applies that force? On the back after swing? he hit the golf ball. Oh, <laughs> it's, actually, wow. it's actually after he's hit the golf ball. So he hits the golf ball, and then he finally stands up. And it's because he doesn't have, or historically, he had very bad hip internal, he had hip rotation problems on his lead leg, so he, was, he, he wouldn't clear his hip. Now that he has that hip rotation, he doesn't know how the heck to use it, so he still has that bad habit of applying all that force after he's hit the golf ball. Um, so, so that's where it's the, the cool stuff. The cool thing about ground reaction forces is as you understand them, it's like cheating. It literally is like cheating, Chris. You can change you know, with, with high-level golfers. You can be like, hey, we just need a little bit more force here. And it's like immediately, boom, speed goes up. Or if you want to change a launch, you can change launch angles. It's, it's incredible what can happen by the understanding of how your body and how your feet are using the ground and, and the impact 
that it then has on body movement, and then ultimately, obviously, that's going to impact, you know, club characteristics and whatnot. But I think that's why we're hearing more about ground reaction forces. Uh, I think for the average golfer listening right now, I will tell you from our stats, 75 to 80% of you don't even pass the mobility test, which at that like don't even worry about ground reaction forces because you're not going to be able to produce correct ground reaction forces if you don't, <laughs> you know, if you can't move, right? So it's kind of like, like you said, ground reaction forces are the new sexy thing. That's, that's, the, that's the, right? <laughs> Let's focus on A, which is can, can we move? Can we get from point A to point B? Great. Now are we strong enough to, you know, to actually support those movements and do them repeatedly and safely and actually support faster speeds? And then if we can do that, then it's a matter of, then it's the fun stuff that we see on social media. Overspeed training and, you know, the story I told of the guy who went from 101 to 127 or whatever it was, right? Like those are the cool marketing, the headline grabbers. Those are less than 5%. You know, the 95% of us have really basic low-hanging fruit that with 90 minutes a week, you know, if you know, if you do more, it goes quicker, but 90 minutes a week at least of just putting in the, doing the right stuff can make a massive difference in terms of the longevity, your longevity in the game playing, you know, into your eighties beyond and then maintaining that level, you know, even, you know, if you're a high level amateur collegiate player, maintaining it, you know, into your forties, fifties and, and, and older. And, uh, actually this is, this is a fun set that I did not share with you yet, Chris. Do you, if you had to guess, what is the age at which the body starts rebelling and uh, father time, like we see all of clubhead speed start dropping? Any guesses? Uh, clubhead speed starts to drop at 40. Very good. 41 is the actual actual number. But wow. yeah, 41. Well it's, it's actually funny. You see, you see everything sort of climbing, and then there's just this massive cliff at 41. Something terrible happens to the human body at 41. <laughs> we haven't figured that one out yet. But <laughs> it's just at 41, it's like, oh, my gosh. So you feel bad for all those, the, the PGA and, you know, the pros, you know, and they hit their, like, early 40s, and they're just waiting for 50 for the senior tour. Like, it's like, oh, we now we know why. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Chris, before I let you go, you've, you've talked about the mobility test. How can we go out there on your site and, and learn about it, read about it, and actually do it? Yeah, for sure. So we actually put together a page for all the listeners. Uh, people want to go to um, par for success, P-A-R, the number four success.com slash next. Uh, and you guys can just you know, put your email in so we can send it to you. Uh, we'll we send it over to them. It takes probably seven minutes to go through the mobility test. Uh, you'll be able to see how you compare club head speed wise to other golfers your age from our, from our database. Um, and then if anyone's interested, we also offer a free call um, with our golf fitness guys. So you can jump on, they can, Kind of, you can tell them how you did. They'll tell you what it means and kind of give you an idea of some stuff that you guys can start to work on. But, um, yeah, but par4success.com slash next and, um, you know, use it to see where you're at now. And I can't, I always can't stress enough. Reuse it every, every month. Just, you know, continue to monitor your body, particularly if you're playing a bunch. And then obviously we're getting into the fall and then winter's coming around the corner. Uh, it's just a great tool to use. Um, and, you know, our hope is that. As many people as possible grab it and, and use it as a resource to, you know, for the right information uh, to hopefully play the game as long as everybody would like to. And Chris, before I let you go, let our listeners know not just all, all, all about what we can find on your website, but then how can we stay up to date with all the great things that you guys are putting out there, whether it's on social media and you've, you've got a great yeah. YouTube channel as well. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we're it's just at par for success on pretty much everything. So uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Um, we put out content every we film uh, new content I've released every week on YouTube. Tons of educational stuff. Um, we tend we'll tend to leak some of the research uh, a little bit there too. So that, that's probably the YouTube is probably the best place uh, to stay up to date with kind of the late the latest and greatest that we're coming out with um, from a research standpoint. But just at, it's just par for success. P A R the number four success. Uh, people can find us any of those platforms. Chris, I can't thank you enough for coming back and being a part of the show again tonight. Hopefully we get to have you back on a little quicker next time around. But you're awesome, my friend, the the things that you guys are doing. We hope we get to catch up with you again soon. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure, Chris. We'll talk to you soon. You bet. Take care, Chris. That is the great Chris Finn. Again, par4success.com is the website. You put in par4success.com forward slash next. And you'll be able to go through and, and take those mobility tests, see where you're at. I mean, what it, to Chris's great point at the end there, fall and winter's coming, right? So we're not going to be out on the golf course quite as much as, as, as we would like. And for some of us, not at all. But let's stay in shape over that time. Let's get our bodies right. Let's see where we are from a mobility test standpoint and then keep testing ourselves. And again, the YouTube channel is fantastic, folks. So many great stretches and exercises and drills that you can do out there to get your body in shape. And, and like we say, you know, clubhead speeds king nowadays, gets us more distance. Let's find out how we're doing. Let's unlock some of that. And Chris is giving it to you for free. Why not do it again? Par the number four success.com forward slash next. We'll catch up with Chris again sometime here, hopefully very soon. Okay. Before I close up shop tonight, I want to remind you about a couple of more of our sponsors starting with our friends over at Two Under. Two Under Men's Performance Briefs have just released their new Spring and Summer 22 collections with fun, new, and exciting prints like the Freedom 2 and 3, Santa Fe, Tigers, Zebras, and Duckies, and their new exclusive Folds of Honor collection where they donate 20% of all Folds of Honor sales proceeds to that cause. The patented Joey Pouch technology delivers maximum comfort, fit, and performance while preventing any unwanted skin-on-skin contact or chafing. Good for anything from the golf course to the boardroom to the bedroom. You can find these two underperformance briefs in over 4,000 golf pro shops nationwide, all Shields sports stores, all PGA Tour superstores, Golf Galaxy, Dillard's, and other fine retailers near you. You can also order them online at twounder.com. That's the number two, U-N-D-R.com. Two under, performance in your pants. Use code NEXTT20, that's N-X-T-T-E-E-20, for a 20% discount on the Two Under website. I also want to give a shout out to our friends over at Golf Pride. We deal with a lot on the golf course, whether you're teeing off in front of a crowd, hitting a four iron after a rain delay, trying to figure out wind direction, or second guessing club selection. It's easy for your mind to race. That's exactly what drove Golf Pride to create the all new CPX. It's made with a unique EXO diamond quilted pattern, reducing vibration in your hands on every shot. The EX diamond quilted pattern really helps your hands sink into the club on every shot, giving you maximum comfort because when your hands are comfortable, you're comfortable. CPX is available now on GolfPride.com or at your local retailer. All right, my friends, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Tee. I want to send out my sincere thanks again. To Neil Lancaster, Julie Inkster, and Chris Finn for joining me tonight. 
Scheduled to join me next week are our resident director of instruction, Tom Patcher, will be back with us. We'll get a return visit from Allison Fillmore, Vice President of Development for the PGA Tour, and Brenda Kalkovecchia, Mark's wife, caddy, and much funnier follow on Twitter. We'll be here as well. Looking forward to having Brenda as part of the show. So it's going to be a great one, folks. I hope you'll come back and be a part of the show with us. You can listen to this show as a podcast on just about every major podcast app out there. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Audioboom, Player.fm, Podbean. Folks, if you've got a favorite podcasting app, we're probably on that one too. Just type in next on the T in the search bar. You'll probably find us on there as well. Please check out our website, nextonthetea.net, to stay up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. Plus, we give you links back to recent episodes and individual guest segments. So whether you've got 20 minutes or two hours, we've got great content on there available for you. Folks, I can't thank you enough for choosing to listen to this show again tonight. I know you've got a lot of great podcasts out there to choose from. I am very thankful that you continue to make Next on the T one of them. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends.